This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. I'm Paul Gallant. It is Monday, June 14th of 2021. New England Patriots cornerback Stephon Gilmore has not reported for Patriots' mandatory minicamp. And it's time for the Seahawks to get the ball rolling, to pick up the phone and try to make a trade happen. That's the question for you today. Do you think they should? Do you think that the Seahawks should keep doing what they have been doing? Keep trading draft picks for veterans? Because at some point, this is going to catch up with them. You trade away all these draft picks and you don't have a draft. You don't have cost-effective young players that you're hoping are going to develop into good players. Hasn't really exactly worked out the way that they wanted it to over the last couple of drafts. You haven't really seen a whole lot out of LJ Collier that makes you feel great about him as a first-round pick. We're still waiting to see what Daryl Taylor is going to do. I like the early returns from Jordan Brooks, but when you look at next year, even if Stephon Gilmore is turning 31 at the beginning of the year and would probably cost, at the very least, a second-round pick for possibly only one year of his services, just look at the Seahawks' secondary. I like DJ Reed a lot. Do you really trust DJ Reed for the entirety of a season to be your number one corner? And look, he looked good down the stretch last year, but are you expecting what you saw out of DJ Reed against banged-up Kyler Murray, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Colt McCoy, Dwayne Haskins? Are you expecting that? to replicate itself next year when the Seahawks go up against better quarterbacks and they have a more difficult slate of quarterbacks this coming season. Maybe the Packers don't have Aaron Rodgers, but they do play Green Bay. It's a more difficult slate. And while I would love to see D.J. Reed pick up where he left off last year and continue to do what he did last season, if Stephon Gilmore is available, I think you start making phone calls. I think you try to find a way to get the NFL Defensive Player of the Year, at cornerback just a couple of years ago on your team. Because, okay, DJ Reed, you like him. But who's the number two corner? Is it going to be Akello Witherspoon? Is it going to be Pierre Desir? Demarius Randall? Ugo Amadi? Are you going to go with two small guys on the outside? There's a lot of questions about that position. And while I trust Pete Carroll to get the absolute most that he possibly can out of whoever he puts at cornerback, just given his background working in the secondary, you can do better. And you don't want to find yourself at the end of this coming season looking back and saying, what if we had Stephon Gilmore? What if? in a playoff matchup against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Say Aaron Rodgers is still with the Packers. Matt Stafford, I guess, with the Los Angeles Rams. You don't want to have that conversation. What if we had decided to make that trade happen? And if you have been as aggressive as you've been over the last couple of years, why not keep being aggressive? Yeah, there probably will be a point where this comes back to... uh, bite you in the tuchus, but this trade, I like a whole lot more than the idea of trading for Julio Jones. You have DK Metcalf, you have Tyler Lockett. That wasn't a necessary one. 
this one, I feel, is a necessary one. So today's question, have the Seahawks traded enough draft picks for veterans, or should they keep at it? Call about Patriots cornerback Stephon Gilmore, who did not report to Patriots minicamp today. 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. A text from the 801, no, no, a thousand times no. Why do we want another one-year guy? I want someone for three to four years, at least. Well, how often are you going to get the kind of returns from a player who is with you for three to four years that you would potentially with someone like Stephon Gilmore? Hired guns aren't something that you should be completely afraid of. I would say look at what you likely ever will get out of LJ Collier. Back of the first round pick. He's a rotational defensive lineman piece. It's not to say he's a bad player or anything like that, but, I mean, that's that's what you have in him. So, say what you get with that second-round pick. The odds of you finding another DK Metcalf, seeing as you just got a DK Metcalf, with that pick, which you would likely have to give up for Stephon Gilmore, are low. What gives you more of a return? A guy who is going to be there for three to four years or one year of Stephon Gilmore. We have seen in the past one year of a... Star cornerback helped the New England Patriots win a Super Bowl. I'm not just talking about Stephon Gilmore. I'm talking about Darrell Revis against these very Seattle Seahawks. They don't make that trade for Darrell Revis. I don't know how that season goes for them. But that helped change a defense that for a couple of years in a row had been pretty shaky in the secondary. Pretty shaky on third and longs. And while you made some strides last season, I don't think that you should expect those strides to reflect a defense next year that's one of the better defenses in the league, like a top 15 defense or something like that. Text in 710-710. Now that you put it like that, after I think about it, I don't think you can trust Reed as the number one for 17-plus games, plus hopefully the playoffs. And it's nothing against DJ Reed. Really, it's nothing against him. But do you feel like he is going to be another version of uh, Richard Sherman, an afterthought cornerback that San Francisco decided to move on from, just like Richard Sherman was sort of an afterthought at Stanford? That doesn't generally happen. You'll see guys who come out of nowhere and have a tremendous impact on the league for a couple of seasons, but to expect all of a sudden DJ Reed to go from a guy that San Francisco, who has some issues of their own at cornerback, a guy that they cut because of his injury history to develop all of a sudden into a guy that's one of the better cornerbacks in the game, one of the top 32 cornerbacks in the game, even there, that's that's asking a lot. It's a very difficult skill position, and while DJ Reed definitely has the fire and the heart and all those things, size is an issue sometimes at that position. 7-10-7-10 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. When has a veteran cornerback come to the Seahawks that hasn't played in a Pete Carroll defense and had success? It hasn't happened. I mean, that's a fair point. Look at Quinton Dunbar last year. Look at Kerry Williams. Isn't this different? It's Stephon Gilmore. Aren't we talking about a Maserati versus, like, a Camry? Nothing against the Camry, but, I mean, with Kerry Williams, did anyone think about Kerry Williams as someone who is best cornerback in the game ever? A better cornerback, sure. A plus cornerback, sure. Best in the game. I don't think so. So that's a conversation on the table. 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. I do want to touch on the Mariners really quickly. Frustrating weekend. Saturday, clean it up. You're up 4 nothing. Clean it up. 
take you out of timeout because of what happened on Sunday. Nice victory. Logan Gilbert looking really good. But come on, up 4 nothing on Cleveland. They should have taken 2 or 3 this weekend. They should have. Stop putting Rafael Montero in high leverage situations. Just stop. I don't know who else you put in there. Kendall Graven is probably the better choice, and I know he gave up a home run on Saturday, so maybe it's not as simple as that. But he has seven saves. He has seven blown saves. No matter how you feel about his arm talent, whatever, Rafael Montero in those high leverage situations, stop. Just stop. It's not working. But I, I, I do want to say this about the Mariners' rebuild. We've been hoping for more out of the bats, for sure. Evan White, to this point this year, even though he had a home run over the weekend in the minors' failure. Jared Kelnick had a nice weekend himself in Tacoma, but to this point, failure. We were hoping that the bats for the Mariners this year, with Kyle Lewis as the reigning AL Rookie of the Year, were going to be the most promising part of the rebuild. That clearly has not happened, because now Kyle Lewis, of course, is dealing with an injury. But the pitching... It's been really impressive, I think, thus far. And whether it's Yusei Kikuchi on Saturday or yesterday, it's Logan Gilbert. You actually have, I think, the makings of something that's pretty good with the entirety of your pitching staff. Obviously, there are some things that need some work. Justin Dunn and his consistency, it was an issue on Friday. But from Justin Dunn this year, you've seen some real positive steps forward. Logan Gilbert seems to be getting better with every single outing. Yusei Kikuchi has, I think, developed into your most consistent starter. And Kendall Graveman, outside of on Saturday, has been really good for you in the bullpen. And by the way, you haven't really seen a whole lot out of Marco Gonzalez to this point. They've got a ways to go, lineup-wise, a ways to go. But the pitching side of things of this Mariners rebuild, it's been pretty interesting to watch. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the Paul Gallant Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can call in at 206-421-3776 at 1015. That's your chance to be heard. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. It's 1010. That means it's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with Maura Dooley. Good morning, afternoon, Maura Dooley. How are you now? doing very well. How are you? I cannot complain. The weather stinks, but I'm excited, Maura. I think that the Seahawks should pick up the phone, make a phone call about Stephon Gilmore. I do too. We've watched that guy play. We know that Stephon Gilmore is good. This is different than other cornerback situations that maybe haven't worked out for the Seahawks in the past. Yeah, I I just think that who was uh, Danny bringing up? I can't even. Carrie Williams? Williams? Yeah, like I, they're not even on the same level. Nowhere close. And I do know that even after he won Defensive Player of the Year year before last, people think there was a bit of a drop-off last year. But if you watched New England play last year, that team was playing so poorly and the defense was pretty banged up. I don't. I just don't think there's much that he still did not look bad. But right. at a certain point, it's going to bring down your level of play, too. He, I don't think that should be how you evaluate him. I'm with you there, Maura. At some point, his play will deteriorate. I don't think it's now. I think you still have a couple of years left. Why not for 2021 then bring him aboard for a one-year rental at the very least and then see what happens next offseason? Sort of the same way that you dealt with Jadevian Clowney a couple of years ago. I mean, Clowney was good for you when he was here. He didn't sign the extension. Probably worked out for you, but third-round pick for a one-year Jadevian Clowney, not bad. Second-round pick for one year, Stephon Gilmore. Is that not worth it? 7-10-7-10. There's a way to pull it off. I think they will because we know that Pete Carroll loves defensive backs. Yes. Soft spot for them. He does. And John Schneider <laughs> been very, very aggressive with those vets of late. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, 
we'll switch over to an organization that's struggling right now. Do you, do you remember when we um, read an excerpt from uh, Packer CEO Mark Murphy's newsletter last week? I do. And he said that the best thing they can do right now is just to stay quiet on the situation. Yes, I do. Um, spoiler alert, he didn't do that. Oh, no. This is him speaking at a event at Lambeau Field this weekend. Ted Thompson, I think most of you know, just a great general manager, uh, passed away uh, this past year. Or excuse me, earlier this year. Uh, often talked about Aaron that he's a comp, or, and it wasn't just Aaron, and a lot of different players, he would say, he's a complicated fella. So I'll just uh, say that. He tried. He tried so hard. He did not get so far. In the end, it will not matter what he had written in that letter to fans the week before. Because you can't continue to comment publicly on things when you set a governor on yourself to do exactly the opposite of that. It really is something, Mora, to see how the Packers, comparatively to the Seahawks, just seem so incompetent with this. All you have to do is say nothing. And he tried to pull himself out of it, as you could hear him say, well, it's not just him. It's not just Aaron. There's a lot of complicated fellas in the locker room. Well, and he tried to cite Ted Thompson, but I think the difference there is if you have a good relationship with someone, that can seem like a funny comment. I think Rodgers liked Ted Thompson. Yes. He doesn't like you guys right now, so that is not something you should be pulling out of the archives. What's the win here? Do you win a couple of cheap laughs out of your fans that are there? I think a texter gave a very powerful Adverb, I guess. Wait, would it be a verb? A powerful verb earlier today that I think we should use going forward. They mathered this situation. <laughs> they mathered this situation. I mean, they're speaking to a bunch of people. It they seem similar. They think it's inconsequential, Mora. And then the next thing you know, they, they just can't stop talking. They try to pull off a cheap joke. And they forget that this thing is not just a private conversation with fans. It's, it's going out to everybody. All right, we also heard from someone that we feel has been very deeply ingrained in Camp Russell. Yes. Throughout the offseason saga. And he was very vocal about saying that Pete Carroll Pete Carroll was outdated, that this Seahawks were a deteriorating franchise that only Russell was saving, that Pete Carroll had too much power. And now all of a sudden Colin Cowherd shifted to this narrative on Friday. You always hear the grass is greener. Sometimes it is, Mm -hmm. but he's got a well-financed team, a Hall of Fame coach, um, a coach that has been willing to shake things up all the time. Mm -hmm. Russell's aspirational. Pete Carroll's aspirational. This is not a tradition-heavy franchise like Pittsburgh or Green Bay. Pete and Russ actually fit really well together, Mm -hmm. and we have a history in the NFL where great defensive coaches and star quarterbacks from Dungy and Manning to Belichick and Brady to Tomlin and Big Ben, this Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, um, this is a good fit. But a couple of months ago, it wasn't a good fit. A couple of months ago, he was miserable. And I think that this is Colin Coward speaking with Russell Wilson's court and Russell Wilson's court just completely changing tune. Russell Wilson... That's good news, though, right? Yes, it's it's good news, Maura, but Russell Wilson is just a walking poker face. I mean, you you if this is how dramatically it's changed in terms of what 
he is saying and floating with those who we feel like can help him indirectly get his message out. It's very bizarre that a very few changes over a couple of months have changed the tune of this conversation entirely. And honestly, when it comes to Colin Coward, I I feel like he should have been a little bit more critical in his own evaluation of whatever they were telling him. Because, again, what has changed from February to June? Nothing. The same offensive coordinator, the same coach. There's just been a trade for Gabe Jackson. Gabe Jackson's a marginal offensive lineman in this league. He is a he is a starting caliber player, sure. That is all that has changed. And yet here we are in a much better situation. I guess it's something to be happy about and I should move on. But I just can't help but be frustrated by all the months <laughs> that we all went through together, Mora, dealing with this stuff every single day. The opinions of Russell Wilson's court. Well, I guess hopefully the takeaway is that maybe that whole saga didn't quite go the way Russ planned, so that's why this is being spinned into more of a, a positive situation now. Probably. And I know that there is definitely some credence to Greg Rosenthal's theory that Russ maybe was doing this to distract everybody from the rough end of the year that he had. All right, guys, it's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. You can text in to 710-710 on the Mac and Dax Brewing Company text line. Have the Seahawks traded enough draft picks for veterans or should they keep at it and call about Patriots cornerback Stephon Gilmore, who did not report to New England's mandatory minicamp today? We're going to have Michael Bumpus in the sports pit at 10.30. 10.45, you get to pick what I talk about, whether it's the best thing that Russell Wilson said at his press conference on Thursday, why one of the Seahawks' biggest adversaries looks like a total fraud today, or how baseball's being both desperate and smart. But right now, it's time to hear from you guys. It's your chance to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. Should the Seahawks trade for Stephon Gilmore? A text from the 206, make it happen. He's a beast. I'm with this texter. I still think that Stephon Gilmore is playing at that level. Another text, also from the 206. What about Stephon helping coach up the others? The younger guys with his immense skill set and veteran presence. I think that we tend to overrate that side of things. I think that sometimes we look at an older cornerback and expect him to not just be a good player. Older player at any position, not just cornerback. We expect them to also be this mentor, this coach at the same time. Sure, they're a resource for some of these young players to ask questions of, to bounce things off of. But I think that we overthink a lot when we believe that some older player is being brought in to be essentially a coach on the field at the same time. No, that guy is going to be responsible for himself and himself alone, probably be competitive with other people, and especially somebody who is looking for an extension. He is probably going to be more about what he can do for himself than he is to help out other guys. Not to say that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying if you're expecting Stephon Gilmore to come in here and help the young corners out, I don't know that you're going to necessarily get that much more. Now, that said, I was listening to a podcast fairly recently, and uh, Julian Edelman, who used to play with the Patriots, said that Stephon Gilmore coming in helped him out a lot as far as his development as a wide receiver, so he made things a little bit more competitive. So I guess Stephon Gilmore could make the Seahawks wide receivers a little bit better. Cornerback I'm not 100% so sure on. Uh, Text in the training camp battles between he and DK Metcalf. Remember... Remember oh, yeah. in that game last year? Do you think they would fight if they're on the same team, Laura? 
Hopefully not. I, I I mean I wouldn't have a problem with a training camp fight. I I, I don't have an issue with it. Sometimes yeah, testosterone. You get those out of the way. And move on. Yeah, exactly. I bet I bet Gilmore definitely would remember some of the things from those games and maybe tell DK Metcalf in practice. Hey man, can we tone it down just a little bit. It's probably the last thing though you want to tell DK Metcalf. Seven ten seven ten on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. Paul, come on seriously. Nobody's saying that DJ Reed is going to be a Hall of Famer like Richard Sherman. But he played damn good last year, and I'm sure he's a lot better than Trey Flowers. I am not saying anything to the contrary. I liked what I saw out of DJ Reed a lot last year. Really, I like his game. I like his. I think he's feisty. And I know that sounds like kind of patronizing because he's a smaller corner. No, don't take it as that. He's a cornerback that actually wants to scrap. Some cornerbacks aren't about that life. I like guys who are actually competitive and want to get into it. Who aren't afraid to make contact, aren't afraid to close on the ball, aren't afraid to just be confident in themselves. There's a lot of good things with DJ Reed, but I don't think that we should, at the same time, expect too much, if that makes sense. And your secondary is in a spot right now where, yeah, at safety you look pretty good, but cornerback, it definitely is a question. Text in, Gilmore will want a new contract. We have to give up picks to get him. You don't necessarily have to give him the new contract, though. The new collective bargaining agreement basically means that if you are under contract with any team, if you hold out, you got to pay fines. Now, I, I still think that if teams want to extend a player, they can waive these fines. But as this continues, and I imagine that Gilmore will be on the Patriots for the rest of the month. I don't think a trade would necessarily happen until July or August, but... I, I think you get the balls rolling at this point in time because it's it's not about the contract. Is Gilmore a finishing piece for you? And if he has a really good season for you, you think long and hard about giving him an extension, but you don't extend Shaquille Griffin. You extend someone like Stephon Gilmore. You extend somebody who's legitimately one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And I think that if you were to trade for him, let him play out the year, see how things play out, it would be worth it. Second-round pick? That's not bad. Text in 710-710 from the 928. Cornerback's a need, but I'm not giving up a high draft pick and a bunch of money for Gilmore. What about Casey Hayward Jr.? Isn't he still available? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, isn't he on the San Francisco 49ers? No, he is on the Las Vegas Raiders at this point in time. So, uh, no, he is not available for the Seattle Seahawks right now. 710-710. I feel like if they want... To ensure Russ stays happy, they go after Gilmore to shore up the defense. That Russ is going to have to keep overcoming by scoring on almost every single possession. Yeah, fair point. There, there might be some shootouts this coming season. I don't think you should be convinced that the Seahawks defense turned things around. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the Paul Gallant Show. Michael Bumpus is going to join me in the sports pit next. Do you have a question for Michael Bumpus? 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. I'm curious about... His thoughts on Jamal Adams. Is Jamal Adams going to show up for a Seahawks mandatory minicamp tomorrow? We'll talk about that next and a whole lot more. Don't go anywhere on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness... You're going to get your, you're going to, you're going to fail. And we're efforting to get Michael Bumpus right now. Before we do get Michael Bumpus, let's respond to a couple of texts on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. This has to do, I guess, with just the hullabaloo that this offseason gave us too much of. Russell Wilson, his unhappiness here in Seattle. 
Paul, that's where you're wrong. We didn't go through anything for that month about Russell Wilson. You and the media were the ones that went through it and made this tiny little story into this way bigger thing than it really was. Made it a top headline for weeks on out and are still talking about it. Let's move on. Russell's here. He ain't going anywhere. Pick another story to talk about and blow it up. Let's go, negative Nancy. The only reason that I'm going to tell you to think twice, just take a look at what happened in New England. Take a look at what happened with Tom Brady. People in New England were saying the exact same thing when all those stories started to come out about friction between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. They started doing that. They started telling themselves, nope, it's fine. Nothing to see here. We're all good. That's all I'm saying. And look where they are right now. And joining me right now in the sports pit, it is the one and only Michael Bumpus. Bump, happy Monday. How you doing, man? Happy Monday, Gallant. How are you doing, sir? I cannot complain. And guess what? Stephon Gilmore, he did not show up for the first day of New England Patriots mandatory mini camp. So I feel like that means the door is open. I feel like the Seahawks should pick up the phone, make a phone call, and hopefully by August he will be wearing Seahawks colors. I'm with you, man. Him not showing up to that camp is a positive for the Seahawks. It's a negative for the Patriots. But it's kind of weird at the same time because you never truly know what an athlete is thinking. You know, maybe he thinks I need more time with my family. I'm not quite ready to commit to this yet. So the fact that there's uncertainty makes me believe and want the Hawks to make a phone call, text them, do something. They got to know somebody who knows somebody who has a relationship with that dude. And we all know, Paul, the NFL is about relationships. If you can get your players to help you recruit a guy, the chances of them making a move go up. Bob, he's 30 years old right now. He's going to turn 31 in early September. He has one year left on his contract, and he definitely wants to get paid more. What happened was New England restructured his contract after his defensive player of the year in uh, year in 2019, so they gave him a little bit of the salary he was set to make this year, last year, but now that means his salary this year is only something like $7 million. So that's likely why he's not here. He wants more money. If the Seahawks were to trade for him, I would imagine that he would want more money from Seattle, but I don't know that he would go so far as to sit out games to get that contract. Do you feel like if you were to trade for Stephon Gilmore, if you're the Seahawks, would you want to give him an extension as he turns 31 years old after the trade takes place? I think so. I mean, yes, he's 30 in football years. He's getting up there in age. But this guy is still playing at a high level. I want the 12s to kind of erase what DK did to him. What was that, week two last year? I know people are going to be like, he's old. Look what DK did to him. DK is ascending to be a superstar in this league. He's going to make plays against good corners. And when you play against corners, everyone gets got. Jalen Ramsey gets got. That's just part of the game. But you look at what he's done over the course of his career, he's a lockdown guy. And he's a guy that I think has at least three more solid years in him. And there's always a way to move money around, right, Paul? Yes. Like, I'm not a cap guy. Nor I go I. to John Clayton for that. You know what I mean? But when I hear John Clayton talk, he's always like, there's always a way. So whoever crunches the numbers, I forget the, the man's name over there with the Hawks, but he'll crunch the numbers, and they can move things around and make this happen. I think he's worth the risk, especially because you're not getting so far. KJ hasn't committed to the football team. You need another piece, another splash. If you can do that, go ahead and get a corner to compete with Witherspoon, with DJ, and um, and see what happens, man. It's all about competition. 
Why not bring one of the best defensive players in the league in the past few years into VMAC and compete? Paul Gallant Show, the 710 app. You can listen also on your smart speaker. And you can watch 710sports.com slash video. Michael Bump is hanging out with me in the sports pit. Do you think Jamal Adams is going to report to Seahawks mandatory minicamp tomorrow? I don't think so. You know, I think Jamal is the type of cat that's like, look, man, I'm I'm, I'm going to get ready on my own. I know how to prepare. I've been super successful. I think we'll see him eventually, but I think there's no rush. I, and what people forget is that these guys are human beings. These guys have families, have other priorities, and they've made a lot of money. So a guy in Jamal Adams' position, he's not stressing over it. He's like, look, I'll get there when I get there. I'm going to be good to go. And I hope if that's the approach that he's taking, he's at least communicating with, with the football team. And they're not going to tell us, I, I think, if, if he's communicating or not. And they're not going to stress out if he doesn't show up, at least not to us, the public. Now, when they go into those coaches' rooms and they're talking about it, there might be a little stress. But end of the day, I don't expect to see him, but I expect to see him eventually. If he doesn't show up, I have a hard time seeing the Seahawks decide to find him too, even though I think you're like they'll probably make good for that, even though I guess per the new CBA, you automatically get fined that money. I, I think they would make good. And, you know, I think the best sign for Seattle as far as an extension, we heard a lot of Jamal Adams towards the end of his time in New York. And we really haven't heard a peep from Jamal Adams this offseason. So I don't think that he's unhappy necessarily yeah. with his situation, but who wouldn't be frustrated with the contract when you have the year that he just had nine and a half sacks? Yeah, that's a great sign. We all know Jamal Adams wears his, his emotions on his sleeve. We've seen him after a big win with a cigar, you know, having fun with the media. We've seen him after losses, um, and, and he shows you his emotions. So the fact that he's not coming out and, and, and talking about this situation in a negative manner is, is positive. This is still a business. He still wants his money. He still wants to be extended. There are things that he has to do to protect himself and his family and their future when it comes to, you know, his health and money and playing football. So if they aren't meeting in the middle right now, the fact that he's not blowing the spot up, you know, he's not doing what Russell did in March is, is a positive sign because it shows that he still wants to be here. There are just some things that they have to do to get him here. Michael Bump is with me in the sports pit. If somebody called you a complicated fella, how would you handle that? Would you take that as an insult? <laughs> would you be upset? Because that's what Aaron Rodgers was called by Parker, uh, by Packers CEO Mark Murphy. That's an insult, man. Does he want to mess this thing up? I, funny, I don't understand man. what he's doing over there. You don't tell the media that Aaron Rodgers is a complicated fella. Even if he is, you should use interesting. You know, you should use motivated, a determined. There's so many other ways you could have went with that. And that just lets me know they really don't know Aaron Rodgers. I feel like we know him better than uh, the Packers organization at this <laughs> point because we would never say that. If we want him to come back to this football team, I am loving him up, Paul. I'm sending him good night text messages, good morning, how you doing today, how's the body feeling. They're just going about this thing the wrong way and I think Aaron Rodgers is sitting back and and just waiting for the moment where he's like all right they've had enough I've had enough let's just go our separate ways I just don't see this thing working out Paul I don't either the Packers are definitely making us feel a lot better about the current situation with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks you know we saw something interesting over the weekend I know that in OTAs that we have seen since Russell Wilson showed up there's been a little bit more tempo bump with the Seahawks offense An interesting tweet by Jeff Schwartz, who has joined the Danny and Galat show before, about how you're hearing all these good things about tempo, and he said that there were a lot of off-seasons where we were saying the same things, but basically by week three, four, 
the tempo kind of goes away. Do you think that might be the same case here? We're, we're hearing a lot of good things. There's going to be more tempo, but the tempo can't last for an entire season. It can't. Actually, it can. We've seen the Chiefs do it, right? But when you talk about tempo, you're talking about these guys at practice, no pads. Everyone's taking care of each other. Practices during the offseason are built for offensive success. Right. Chris Carson, he's going to run the ball 10, 15 times, and it's going to look like he breaks four or five of them for 25 yards because no one's going to tag off on him. Russell Wilson is going to throw the ball 25 yards down the field and not get touched because he has a red jersey on. So these, these, these practices are built for the offense. So people are looking at this like, man, he looks great. He looks awesome. Yeah, he does. They're supposed to look this way during this time. Now, once the season gets going, yeah, they're going to come out fast, I think. Yes, the tempo is going to be up. But then what happens, Paul? You get film. Guys get tired. You start breaking down a little bit. You have to adjust your scheme according to a defense that you're playing or according to the personnel that you have out there. It would be nice to think that the Hawks can just go, 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 go all season. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think eventually they're going to have to slow it down. And now when we talk tempo, that's all about getting to the ball and getting set. You're not going to get a bunch of plays off in 15 and 20 seconds. Tempo, to me, just means you're getting personnel in and out. You're getting to the line of scrimmage quickly. Russell Wilson's diagnosing the defense. That's what I think about when I think of tempo. Running 20, 20 plays in X amount of time, I, I don't think that's going to happen. This is football. These are professionals. Defensive coordinators are going to make guys adjust. So just be ready for it. There are going to be times where this offense looks good. There's going to be times where this offense looks like, all right, they're trying to figure some things out. That is Michael Bumpus, everybody, at Michael Bumpus 5 on Twitter. Bump, thanks so much. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. All right, man, have a good one. Michael Bumpus joins us on Danny and Galland in the 8 o'clock hour on Wednesdays and on Fridays. Joins me in the sports pit every Monday at 1030. All right, guys, you get to pick what I talk about next. One, the best thing that Russell Wilson said at his press conference Thursday. Two, why one of the Seahawks' biggest adversaries looks like a total fraud. Three, how baseball is being both desperate and smart. Plus, we respond, I respond, to your takes on this question. Should the Seahawks trade for Stephon Gilmore? It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. The most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. The question of the day. Should the Seahawks trade for Stephon Gilmore? He has not shown up for Patriots minicamp today I think he's available I think you make it I think you make the trade happen you worry about the contract later I'm totally fine with a second round pick for a one-year rental as well because I think he is that good and I feel like he could be the difference this year and this is a big year this is a really big year for Seattle I mean if things don't go the way that they want is it possible that we're having the same exact conversation about Russell Wilson next offseason I think it is Some comments in response to our conversation about Russell Wilson. Some, I think, just still exasperation over the entirety of the conversation about Russell Wilson's future potentially being in doubt. I think a lot of people after the press conference are saying, hey, look, there was nothing to see here, Paul. And I can understand why you go about it that way, and I'm not going to tell you not to feel that way. But uh, let's, let's go to a couple of responses to that because I did make a comparison. I said, look, in, in New England, a lot of people thought all the rumors about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were malarkey. And then the next thing you know, well, where is Tom Brady playing last year and playing next year? Uh, this is an email from uh, Jay, who is a great listener. Paul, you are way off. 
trying to compare Tom Brady's situation to Russ for one major reason. Despite um, despite anyone, uh, they won't, they and any, hang on a second, I'm having a difficult time reading this. Is it Tom or is it Bill? At some point, you have to move on from Brady for the sake of the team's future. I could be wrong, but the year Brady can't play anymore, it's not like he's going to slowly fade into Bernie Kosar's level. And to Dave Krieg, level year after year until he's done. When Brady can no longer play, he's going from the player he is now straight to Kelly Stouffer. Russell has had a long time before we have to worry about his ability to play the position. Five years or so. Either way, New England was going to get rocked because you don't go from the GOAT to the GOAT. There's going to be a skunk in there too. Admit it. You guys blew it. Way out of proportion. I mean, I think the idea of him getting traded was always laughable. That was getting pushed by a lot of national types, and we definitely had conversations about it just because of that. Because, I mean, why wouldn't you? That's being talked about. And I felt like I, at the very least, said the idea of him getting traded without him sitting out games, that's just not happening. But I do think that you can read into the friction. At the very least, there is real friction between Russell Wilson's agent and John Schneider, I would imagine, just with the way that things went this offseason. But have things gotten to a point where the Seahawks are just sick and tired of this? I don't know. For whatever reason, I think Russ feels that this organization has operated in a way that doesn't look at him the way he views himself. And that's always going to frustrate him, and it's always going to stick with him. And at some point, that might be something that makes him decide, you know what, I'm going to try to get my way out of here. But I I will say this. The idea of him ever leaving this offseason, I don't think that was ever going to happen. I really don't. And I, I know some people bought into it. No, this is not Aaron Rodgers. This is not... Deshaun Watson. You picked a topic. We're going to get to that topic in just a moment, but let's go to Brian in Federal Way at 206-421-3776. Brian, what's going on? Hey, good morning. I love listening to to your show. Appreciate it, Brian. What you Um, got? uh, The whole Stephon Gilmore thing. I mean, last year you did the whole Jamal Adams thing. You gave up a first and a second. Jamal Adams was hurt the whole year. You won 12 games. You won as many playoff games as the Bengals and the Lions did. And now you want to trade more picks to go get Stephon Gilmore, who's an older player. You already got K.J. Wright, Bobby Wagner, D.K. Metcalf's up for a huge contract pretty much after this year, the whole Russell Wilson situation. You get Gilmore, you're not going to have any picks. You're not going to – I don't understand Seattle Seahawks fan reasoning behind this. You got one shot, but you're not building for the future. You're literally – Win now mode. What is Stephon Gilmore, injured Jamal Adams, and not happy Russell Wilson, a big contract coming for DK Metcalf, actually going to do for the Seattle Seahawks franchise? That's a good question, Brian. Look, I think with Adams, if Adams is healthy in that playoff game, you get a different Adams, and the trade is, I think, looked at entirely differently, maybe by you, had he played well in that playoff game. He was hurt, and he had some moments where he was at the very least in the right spot, but you could tell that the torn labrum was an issue for him there. He made your defense better, though. You can't deny that. I understand what you're saying. Didn't get you any more playoff victories. Was the defense the reason that you lost? Partly because they couldn't stop Cam Akers. The offense hit a wall. 
the offense has to be better, and I think that's the reason they brought in Shane Waldron, that they think he's going to be able to get more out of Russell Wilson than you got with Brian Schottenheimer. And honestly, that they brought in Brian Schottenheimer to begin with, I, I just wonder about that. Like, why? <laughs> what, what, what had he shown in his previous stints as offensive coordinator? So, you guys picked this topic. We'll play the audio tomorrow on Danny and Gallant because we're running out of time here, but I can't believe that after two years, people seem to have completely forgotten that Jared Goff, quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay said that it's ludicrous to think that after the extension that they gave Jared Goff, that Goff might be anywhere in the next couple of seasons. He said that. Two years later, he moves on from him. And he said all these positive things about Jared Goff. And look, he's probably, of course, blowing smoke. (laughs) But this is a guy that he evaluated as being a real competent quarterback to the point that they gave him that extension. So now they bring in Matt Stafford. And clearly, Sean McVay probably sees something good in Matt Stafford. Should anyone trust Sean McVay's ability to evaluate quarterbacks? No, they shouldn't. That's the answer. So I feel like there should be more skepticism directed McVay's way after what he said two years ago about Jared Goff. We aren't seeing a whole lot of it. And a lot of people really just trying to make the Los Angeles Rams happen. I don't get it. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in for today's edition of the Paul Gallant Show. To Michael Bumpus, who stopped by in the sports pit. To our callers, our texters, our tweeters, our emailer. I am merely Paul Gallant. Maura Dooley, big thanks to her behind the glass making this thing happen. So long, farewell. Jake and Stacy is next.